Psalm 19. If I were going to title this message, I don't give titles much for the messages typically, but if I were going to title this message, I would call this my Jed Clampett sermon. And uh, you'll understand that you have to get all the way to the end, really, to understand why I would... And for some of you, you're like, who's Jed Clampett? Uh, that's how far removed it is from, you know, I'm aware that uh, many of you probably don't know Beverly Hillbillies, if that helps any of you. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, okay, that's who it is. Uh, psalm 19. And we're going to read through the entire psalm, have a word of prayer, and then uh, jump into the message. It says, The heavens... Declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night, night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them <clears throat> hath he set the, a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices at the strong man running a race. His going forth is from the end of, of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I said to him a minute ago, the song the guy sang was just perfect for this. And it was kind of giving you the truth that these next three verses will say. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. Altogether, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the honeycomb. Moreover, is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? <clears throat> Cleanse thou me from secret faults. I'm sorry. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent. From the great transgression, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your blessings would be upon your word as it goes forth. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to do a work in each and every one of our lives and hearts. Lord, we would allow this passage to speak to us, to show us something about you that we need to understand and to apply to our own hearts and lives and that you will change us as a result of being here today. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible starts here in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. In Romans chapter 1, do you remember this, this passage of Scripture we hear often? And it says that they are without what? Excuse. And in that passage, it basically is talking about how the people who have never heard the gospel, maybe never heard the name of Jesus Christ, would still stand before God without excuse. And the reason is... Because nature itself declares the glory of God. And in fact, in these first few verses here of this passage in Psalm 19, it's going to tell us what nature tells us about God. It's some things that you do not have to have the Bible, you don't have to have the church, you don't have to have preaching, that anybody who has never heard the gospel, never seen a Bible, never heard the name of Christ, could stand outside, look up at the heavens, and know some things about our God. So much so that they are without excuse because the heavens declare the glory of God. Take a look at it. Let's see what it teaches about. Day by day, uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. First in verse 1 and 2, the firmament showeth his handiwork. We see the creative, artistic ability of God. Have you ever, have you ever looked, just for a moment, looked outside 
and seen just how beautiful it is and how awesome and incredible God is. How far away is the farthest star? Anybody know? Good answer, because we don't know. Do you understand how this works? Science has yet to find the end of the universe. And science does not measure in mere miles, you understand? Science measures in light years. Now, the speed of light is, somebody who remembers more than I do, what is it? 186,000 miles per second. And a light year is how far it takes for light to travel in a year. That would be 186,000 miles times however many seconds are in a year. Seconds. Seconds. And science will tell us that that star that they can measure is thousands of light years away. The heavens declare that the God that we have to answer to is awesome and powerful and beyond our ability to comprehend. And I do not have to be a rocket scientist to know this. I simply need to step outside my door and look up. That's what the Bible says. And not only is it awesome in the heavens declaration, but then there's a handiwork about it. There's a way that it all works together. Now, science would have us believe, by the way, that an explosion took place and everything fell right into exact place like it should. This is science. Am I shaking your confidence yet? This is science. Science tells you, in essence, that you could take an old watch. Remember watches? Remember the way watches used to be? Now you open up a watch and this piece of plastic and some stuff glued to it and that's it. But years ago, you opened up a watch and there were like these wheels and dials and, and they would all rent, 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 work. And there were hundreds of pieces to this watch. And the science tells us that you could take that watch and take it all apart so that there are literally hundreds of pieces. Put it in a box and shake that box really good. And when you open it up, there'd be a watch. Because that's what has to happen. An explosion has to make everything fall into perfect place. Which makes science not real bright at this point. But I don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that. All I have to do is look up and see that there's handiwork, there's design. You know, I don't know how this works. I really don't. I understand that stars and everything that's out there is in some kind of an orbit. I understand that. What I don't understand is how does the Big Dipper orbit as a unit? I don't understand that. If everything is moving, then why aren't the pieces of the Big Dipper moving? If everything is moving, then why isn't, you know, the, what's the other one that you see every morning? Every morning when I'm walking over, the guy with the sword, what is it? Orion. Yeah, why doesn't Orion move around? How is it that every morning I can walk out my door on my way over here to the church, I get up early, it's still dark, and I look up and see Orion, unless there's clouds. How can that be? Because God is greater than everything else. And I don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that there is an awesome God with whom we have to do. 
The heavens declare the glory of God. His firmament showeth his headway. And this is, by the way, day into day and night into night. And there is a faithfulness about God that can be seen in the heavens. Do you know how we know how to set our clocks? Because God is faithful. That's how we know. Do you know how I know when to plant my garden? Because God is faithful. And seasons take place. Do you know how I know when to get out of bed? Because God is faithful and the sun comes up in the morning. And the heavens declare these things. I mean, the heavens are literally shouting to the world. There is a God who is awesome and powerful and he shows forth his handiwork every single day. Sunsets and sunrises, aren't they beautiful? Not only is God awesome and powerful, but God is faithful. And not only is he that, but he is a God of the detail. And I do not have to have a degree to understand that. I can see the detail that God puts into everything. And the more I learn about just nature, the more I learn about God. Isn't it incredible that birds can fly? Has it ever dawned on you that that's a miracle, that birds can fly? If you don't believe me, then figure out how long it took man to study birds to figure out how to fly. And by the way, we still don't fly without help, right? We can't do that. We can get a plane and fly. But we, we studied what God had done. God has all of that detail. All of the color spectrum is, is the handiwork of God. Everything that man has produced in art and you pay hundreds of dollars to hang on your wall was inspired by what God did in a word. Nothing new under the sun. The only thing man paints that you enjoy is what God inspired. He paints what God created. And we're amazed. I, I, it always cracks me up that we're more amazed at the artwork than we are at the God who gave the opportunity to paint. I, I'm, I'm amazed at art. I really am. I look out here at things Miss Jean painted and things Miss Shirley painted, things Miss Barb painted. We have paintings and artists who either are, go to our church now or are in heaven right now all around our church. And it's wonderful. And I'm amazed at the artwork. But I look at it and I realize that all they did was painted what God already created. And sometimes I think we're more amazed at the artist than we are at the artist. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day into day and night into night, there is a faithfulness about what, is, what God is doing. Listen, look at verse 3. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Everyone around the globe understands, sees, and knows this voice that the heavens are declaring. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. And then he goes through and talks about how that the earth is there and the sun and God has established all this to work together and it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, the sun is, and goes across the sky, rises in the east, that way is the east in case you're turned around, and sets in the west. And we get to see that, now, we get beautiful sunsets here. Uh, the way our house is with other houses and trees and stuff, we don't get to see the sun rise until they're up over, it's up over the trees and the houses. But boy, you can walk out here on any given Sunday night when the church is letting out and see a beautiful sunset 
it is just wonderful how the Lord has given us that opportunity here. And this is what God has done. The heavens declare the glory of God. But then there's a second declaration being made here as we move on down to verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The statutes of the Lord are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean. The judgment of the Lord are true. And what is being spoken of here is this book. Not only does, do the heavens declare, not only does nature declare all this that we need to know about God, but also this book makes declarations about our God. This book tells us of the character of our God. And you and I need to spend some time reading this book and studying this book and getting to know what it teaches us about our God. Look at what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect. We can understand that the God in which we have to do, he is perfect. James declares that God is not tempted of evil, evil neither tempteth he any man. God has never sinned. And he takes no responsibility for sin. God is perfect. And the law of the Lord is perfect. It's reflecting his character. And the wonderful thing about this is that the result of that is that it, is, it converts the soul is that God has a concern of the soul of mankind already. The testimony of the Lord is sure. And look at what it does for us. Making wise the simple. By the way, that would be us. Yes, we're simpletons. That, that's not the Jed Clampett yet. I haven't gotten to Jed yet. All right? But we are simpletons. We really are. And, but how do we become knowledgeable? How do we grow? We study this book. Because this book is going to tell us about the character of God. The heavens Declare the glory of God. The word of God declares his glory. Look what it teaches us about him. Statue of the Lord are right, and the result is a rejoicing of the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure and enlightens the eyes, gives me direction, helps me to see what I need to do. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. God's word is forever settled, the Bible says. It will not one jot nor one tittle pass away from this book. It's forever settled, clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And the result for you and I, knowing that we have this God with whom we have to do, ought to be that God's word is more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. That this book needs to become sweet to our soul, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. I, I struggle. I'm, I'm, I struggle when I hear Christians say this, but I'm also reminded that I struggle with it myself. That sometimes this book fails to be sweet to my soul. It's not that the book is failing. It's that my soul is failing to desire it. Sometimes I find myself getting turned around in my priorities and it's more important to me to be entertained than to read this book. Sometimes my priorities get out of whack. And it's more important for me to make money than to read this book. But this book is more to be desired than gold. Yea, the much fine gold. And this book needs to become sweet to our soul because it's teaching us about God. The heavens declare the glory of God. 
The word declares the glory of God. And here comes Jed Clampett. Well, I declare. I don't, I don't know why. It just popped into my mind when I was putting this message together. You know, the heavens are making a declaration. The word of God is making a declaration. And the last part of this, of this psalm talks about what God's people ought to be declaring. If you and I are in right relationship to the God of heaven, to the God of this book, then the result is that you and I become different people. The question I want to ask us this morning, and this is really the message, that was all introduction. The question is this, what does your life declare? Everyone's life declares something. It does. All of our lives are making a statement of some sort. For instance, if last night we played a game at the um, cookout, the uh, gift class had a cookout, and uh, Mel and I went over in time to play this game. And on one side of the paper, you wrote what I love, and on the other side of the paper, you wrote what I hate. And then people had to guess who you were based on how you answered that question. And here's the scary reality. For most of us, what we love is obvious to everyone around us. That's the scary reality. The question is, what do we declare? What is our life declaring? You know, if someone were to fill in the blank for you, John Ray loves blank, and they had to fill in something, what would the answer be? Because whatever their answer is, that is what my life is declaring to them. Well, the end of this psalm is, starts with the heavens make a declaration then the word of God makes a declaration, and then the servant of God makes a declaration. Tim, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, which, whichever one it is, you can figure it out. It says, be thou an example of what? The believer. You know why? Because people are watching you, Timothy. So be an example of the believer. Your life is declaring something. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? And if you do, Peter, then your life is going to declare it by feed my sheep. By what you do. Because our lives are shouting a message. The question is, what does that message look like? Well, here is what it should look like when you and I are responding rightly to the message, the declaration that God has given us in nature, the declaration that God gives us in his book, then when we apply that to our lives, here's what it looks like. Take a look at it in the, in the psalm. Verse 11. Moreover, by them. What is the them? Well, in, in, the, in context, it is that which is more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the honeycomb. Why? Because the law of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the declarations that God has made by them, that's the them that's being spoken of here, by them, look what it says in verse 11, is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Here is the first thing it tells me. If I am going to be that servant who is declaring the glory of God with my life, then I need to be that servant who is keeping the things that I know God would have me to keep. Can I just be really, can I, can I meddle for just a moment? 
In other words, if my life is shouting of the glory of God, then I should love my wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Right? Because what a Christian who is shouting the glory of God with his life is doing is keeping the commandments of the word. If my life is shouting the glory of God, then I'm being kind to other people, tenderhearted, forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven me. This is what I do, because this is what happens when my life shouts the glory of God. The heavens declare it, and everyone sees it, and there is not a language in which it's not heard. The word of God declares it, and everyone is able to hear it and understand it. And there's not a language in which it's not heard. And can I say this? Our lives are declaring something. And we're not fooling anybody, guys. There's not a language in which it's not heard. Everybody sees it. So the question is, what are we doing? Are we keeping the commandments that he's given to us? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So in other words... I love the Lord, and I'm going to declare I love the Lord by being faithful to church. I knew you were going to say that, Pastor. It has nothing to do with what I say, because you do not have to keep my commandments. If God doesn't expect it, don't do it. Right? But if God expects it, then our lives ought to shout the glory of God in our lives. Why am I not reading this book? Does God suggest or command that this book become a part of my existence? This book is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what this book is. It's everything to my Christian walk. And so God looks at the Christian as, what is your life shouting? What do you love? Well, in this psalm he says, when, that, when the servant of God is shouting forth the glory of God, he's going to keep the commandments of God. And moreover, there is great reward. Look at verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. There's two things actually in here that the servant of God, who is declaring the glory of God. Remember I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago my father-in-law's favorite song. God did a wonderful thing for me. Our lives ought to express that, ought they not? And that means that our lives ought to be played out in two ways here. First of all, we ought to be in a constant cleansing, a constant renewing of the mind, a constant putting off and putting on. There ought to be this absolute constancy about our lives of cleaning it up, of recognizing where evil is. And the second part of that is that I ought to be humble enough to ask God to show me. I ought to desire so much to be like Jesus. That I'm asking God to show me where I'm coming up short. Cleanse me, he says, from secret faults. Even the things that I'm not even, I don't even know that I have yet. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. But keep going, verse 13. And then with that in conjunction, and keep me back from presumptuous sin. Presumptuous sin is that which I do, and I know I shouldn't do it. That which I do out of absolute stubbornness and rebellion. I know none of you guys would do that. I'm talking about myself now, right? That, you know, that when I just get stubborn and I dig my heels in with the Lord and I say, you can't have this part of my life. I'm guarding it. It's mine. The psalmist says, if my life is going to declare the glory of God, 
and be seen and known and read of all men, which it is anyway. If that's going to be my life, then Lord, keep me from presumptuous sin. Don't let me get by with my own stubborn, stupid way. But Lord, keep me from presumptuous sin. Show me if there's secret faults. He goes on to say about that presumptuous sin, let them not have dominion over me. Do people know that you're ruled by sin? By the way, you know, I'm going to bring up a couple of things, and I know that they're not like this, you know, we, we've kind of in our Baptist circles made these like the great sin because it makes us feel better about other things, but really it's just simply about being brought under the power of. The Bible says all things are expedient, or all things are lawful, I'm sorry, but not all things are expedient. The Bible then goes on, the next phrase says, all things might be lawful. I can do it. I'm not going to argue with my pastor here. I can do it, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And we say that as we're lighting up yet another one. Let them not have dominion over me. We say that as we sneak off into our bedroom and look something up on the internet. Let them not have dominion over me. We say that as we dig our heels in and dare our authority, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, to make us do something. Let them not have dominion over me. So the drugs and alcohol and all these kinds of things, what they are is the weakness of saying, I need this in order to get by, which is simply saying, God isn't enough. And that's a challenge for us. I will not be brought under the power of any. Let them not have dominion over me. What does your life declare? What do you love? What is more important to you than bringing glory to God? The heavens declare the glory of God. The word of God declares the glory of God. What does the servant of God declare? Finish it out. It says, then shall I be upright, we're still in verse 13, upright and shall be innocent from the great transgression. We'll talk about both of these things. First of all, just being upright. When people think of you, what do they think of? Quick, name for me an honest person. Good, thank you. Good old honest Abe. How many names would have to go before your name comes into play? Because what our life is declaring ought to be an uprightness. We ought to be, when, when people think of us, they ought to think of an upright, honest, full of integrity, etc., etc. person. Why? Because Not because we're anything special, but because God is doing a work in our lives and God is changing us. And when God changes us from glory to glory to glory to glory, there in 2 Corinthians, then the result is that our lives declare the glory of God. What are we declaring? That's the question. And then he says, we're free from the great transgression. I don't know what the great transgression is. The Bible doesn't tell us. It says the great transgression. You know as much about it as I do right here in Psalm 19. But what comes to my mind are a couple things. But you know what comes to my mind the most? The Apostle Paul when he said, I fear, lest I myself should be a castaway. 
I, I, I view the Apostle Paul thinking, Lord, do not let me do anything that would make me unusable for your kingdom. Keep me, Lord, from anything that would cause you to put me on a shelf. I do not want to end up like Saul, who almost was handed the keys to the kingdom forever. Remember when God said through Samuel to Saul, he said, the Lord would have given, established your kingdom forever, but now he's going to give it to somebody else. Lord, keep me from that great sin. In my mind, that great transgression to be that which would keep me from being able to be used of God. And then he finishes out the whole chapter with this. This is what it looks like when my life declares the glory of God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what the heavens are declaring the glory of God. The word of God spells it out for us very clearly, declares the glory of God. The servant of God is making a declaration with his life. The question is, what is the declaration? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says um, that we, our lives, are a gospel, known and read, remember what the rest of it says? Of all men. We're a gospel, known and read of all men. The people you work with, your kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, your cousins, you know what they're doing? They're watching your life. And they're figuring out what the message of your life is. It's a gospel. And it's known and read of all men. That's what the Bible says. What is your life declaring? There's a little poem that basically says that same thing. It says, we are writing a gospel, a chapter each day by the things that we do and the words that we say. Men, we read what we write. That's hard to say. Whether faithless or true. So what is that gospel according to you? That's the question. I want my life to declare that God is not only greater than science thinks he is, that God is great enough to establish everything that he's established in the heavens and in this earth, but he's also greater than my sin. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please.